Welcome to the How Did They Do It Real Estate Podcast. Have you ever wondered how people succeed in real estate and what steps they took to get there? If so, this podcast is for you. Your hosts, Sayla and Eileen Prack, interview top experts in the real estate community to share with you their real estate journey and how they achieved massive success. Our goal is to provide you with valuable real estate resources and to help you apply it to your own real estate goals. Hello, this is Adam Carswell, the host of Dream Chasers, and you're tuned in to the How Do They Do It Real Estate Podcast. If you like this show, first of all, you have phenomenal taste. Second of all, if you want to listen to another next level show like this, just click our link in the description and smash that subscribe button. It would be an honor for us to enrich your mind, body, and soul as well. Welcome everyone to today's episode of the How Did They Do It Real Estate Podcast. I'm your host, Eileen Pratt. And today we have one of our returning guests back onto the show with us. He was one of our top 100 guests that we had in the very beginning. And so I'm so pleased and honored to have him back on the show with us today, Jim Pfeiffer. And Jim, welcome back to the show. Thanks for having me on again. It was a pleasure the first time and I'm excited to do it again. So Jim, he's one of the founders of Left Field Investors. And so their group is really to help other passive investors create and establish in a community within themselves, find other resources to help vet and just be part of a place where you can go and to share and to network with other investors as well. So Jim, can you, for those listeners who didn't get to listen to your other episode early on, can you just give us a top overview of who you are and um, Left Build Investors? Sure. So I've kind of been in finance and education my whole career, uh, but I'm in job number four, I guess. I worked in business for about 11, 12 years. Then I was a, uh, a teacher in teaching finance and accounting to you know school, Columbus schools here where I live in Columbus. And then I was a financial advisor. And now I'm a full-time passive investor. And I think what really got me on my journey was I was always, I was a major in finance in college. So I was always a stock market, mutual fund guy until funny, I, until I became a financial advisor. And then they really started teaching us about money. And I was really learning about money. And at the same time, I was an accidental landlord uh, with one property. And when you combine those two things, seeing how real estate works and then learning more about money, it just it blew my mind. And it turned me into someone who was investing in real assets that produce cash flow rather than what I think are speculative asset, speculative paper assets, where you know in the stock market or the mutual funds, you are buying a piece of paper holding it and hoping that at a later time you can find somebody else to sell it to for more than you paid for it. And with real estate, you buy an asset, whether it's managed by you or somebody else, and you are that the operator is going to force the equity, so force appreciation, make the asset a better asset. So it will throw off more cash flow while you're collecting cash flow along the way. It'll throw off more and then the value will be higher on the back end. So once I figured all that out, I wasn't really interested in investing in paper assets anymore. And I didn't want to be a financial advisor who's telling my clients to do one thing while I was doing another thing. So I quit and became, I sold all my active real estate, which my portfolio had grown quite a bit by then. And now I'm 100% full-time passive investor investing in multiple different uh, passive syndications. And I run a community called Left Field Investors. That is, as you stated we're a community that is focused on education and networking for people that are interested in investing in syndication real estate assets. And that's what we do. We have some tools that help investors and we have a community, we have meetings, we have a podcast and we have blogs, you know, just we're really focused on educating 
the uh, anybody who's interested in investing in, in syndications. So you started this community of passive investors where they can go and uh, leverage other people's experience in the space, bounce ideas off of each other. So for you, why was community so important, especially within real estate and in this environment to have some place like a community to belong to, to be part of? Yeah, that, that's a great question. And, and you know, it didn't start out how it end, how it's ending. So that's not very well said. But basically, <laughs> I was an active real estate investor. I started a group just because I wanted to be around like-minded people, not people that thought the same as me, but people that were interested in some of the same things so we could share ideas. And it made me a much better active investor. And I found people that I could do business with. So when I transitioned and decided, hey, I'm going to do passive investing, I wanted to to have the same experience. I I wanted to talk to other people because if you go outside your front door and talk to your neighbors about real estate or syndications, they're going to be like, what? What is that? Or you talk to your family, right? They're not in that. So I wanted some people to talk to. So I decided I was going to start a 12-person dinner club in Columbus, Ohio, because that's the largest free room I could get. And we were just going to talk passive investing. And first meeting was going to be March 18th, 2020. The pandemic shut us down. So we didn't do that. We went online. And once we went online, then we could get sponsors, You know, some important people in the industry were willing to come spend an hour with us. And so they talked to us and our group slowly grew. And I didn't know it at the time. What I was looking for was more people to be involved in passive investing so I could learn a little bit from them and I could share knowledge, uh, my knowledge with them. But really what happens is when you build a community, it's incredible how much I have learned in the last two years, right? I thought I was going to be more in the position of teaching people how to do this. And I've learned more than anybody in my community because I'm, and that's why we're working on networking because I talk to almost everybody in our community, but the members don't talk with each other. And so we're trying to fix that and give everybody an opportunity to have some of the learnings that I've had. But really what it is, it's such a difficult industry, right? These investments are very long-term, very illiquid, and you have no control. And basically how it happens is you're going to call up a syndicator and you might talk to him for 30 minutes, maybe an hour. Then they're going to send you a deal and you're going to have to decide, am I going to invest in this deal or not? Am I going to send $50,000 to a stranger that I talked to for an hour? And that's a really hard thing to do. And that's how I started out, right? I was finding syndicators by listening to podcasts, Googling people, just all kinds of different ways. And it worked out sometimes and other times not as well. And so now you use the community, you can shortcut all that. So now when I'm looking for a new uh, sponsor, I will basically only invest with a new sponsor if they are recommended to me by someone in my network who I know, like, and trust. And if that person is already invested with this sponsor, that is a huge shortcut, right? Because I can, I can learn from someone else's experience. And so there's a lot of different ways you can do that in a community. So my feeling is that everyone who wants to do this, be a passive investor, whether full-time, part-time, whatever, if you want to be successful, you need to be part of community. It doesn't have to be the left field investors. I think ours is a great community. Clearly I'm biased. But there's other communities. And you could be a member of multiple communities. But if you're not a member of one of these communities or you don't have a network, you are going to be flying solo. And it's not just if you're in the stock market, yeah, you can pick a stock and sell it if it goes down or whatever. This is totally different. So you need a different strategy. And community is a strategy that I have found that that has led to my success. So for someone who maybe the first time being a part of some type of community like this, how do you go into one and really 
take advantage of the community that has already been built there, leverage off the people who are already doing what you're looking to do, leverage off their experience. Um, Instead of just taking a backseat and just kind of watching the action unfold, how do you, what would you say for someone who's new looking to get in to really step it up and to really experience it fully to the best of their ability so that they can get the most out of being in a community like this? Yeah, I think, you know, that's never been asked of me. And that's a really good question. And I think the first thing you need to do is when you're looking around for communities, just like when you're looking around for a new pair of shoes, or you're looking around for a new sponsor, right? You got to find something that's comfortable for you. So you need to make sure that the culture of that community matches your personality. Like I give the analogy, there's a couple other communities that I think if they had a meetup, I'd have to wear a suit and tie, right? Where if you come to left field investors, you could probably wear, you know, a sweatshirt or something or or a golf shirt. So it's just a different culture. It doesn't mean one is better than the other. You just need to find the one that fits you. And the only way to do that is to jump in and either talk to someone in that community, talk to one of the people that run the community, or most of them have a virtual meeting. So just go to a meeting. And what I recommend for someone who's trying to evaluate whether left field investors is right for them, we have all of our past meetings recorded and online free to view. So I tell people, go check it out. Just watch how we interact, right? Because there's serious parts of the meeting and there's people joking and laughing and smiling together. And you'll get the idea of what the culture is because that is important. And then once you kind of narrow down, okay, I'm going to check out these three or four communities, just start participating, however that is, right? If they have online meetings, go to some of those live and ask questions. If they have a forum, like Left Field Investors, we have a for in our paid membership group. So what we do is we have people post an introduction, hey, and then you write a paragraph about yourself, and then then you'll automatically start connecting with people. And so when you're in these communities, try and find others to connect with. And that's how you really get the power of the community, because once you start making those connections, then conversations become easier, and people are willing to share more. I mean, if you join our community, you're going to find out pretty quick what the favorite sponsors of our community are, right? And that's the one question everybody wants. Who are you investing with? What about this sponsor? What about that one? And for good reason, but people are hesitant to share it because they don't want to be responsible maybe for an investment that you're making. But if you join a community, you're going to find out pretty easily who everyone likes. And then you're going to be, okay, this sponsor has 12 people from this community investing in it. That gives you just a little bit more comfort level. So there's a lot of ways to do it, but you just have to dive in, try it out. And if that community turns out that you're uncomfortable, it's not for you, move on. Just like there's plenty of sponsors, there's plenty of communities. So as a passive investor yourself, you've invested in several deals. And so one of the questions I'd like to ask too is, as you're investing in multiple deals, how do you keep track of the investments that you've made and compare it to the projections that you had originally looked at to make sure whether it's on track, whether it's not on track, what happens if a deal like goes full cycle? What are some of the ways that you have been able to help with that process and keeping track of all your investments? Man, it, it is complicated, right? If you're in one or two deals, it's easy to, to track and compare. When I first started getting into this, I, you know, I use Excel spreadsheets. So I have 10 different tabs on a spreadsheet with two or three spreadsheets talking to each other and it's chaos and there's no good solution. So what we've done and left field investors in our um, membership community called the infielders, we have a tool um, called the portfolio tracker. And it's a web-based tool 
where you can enter in all of the data when you first invest in the deal, then you enter in the distributions and it allows you to sort and view um, all of your investments and also compare your distributions to actual pro forma. But it's not perfect. It's a really hard task to develop something like that. So we're in version one and it's usable, but man, it needs like, we need to get to version three, four, five to make it really excellent. And so I guess they're they're also passive investors and they found out there's no solution for this problem. There's no good solution. Like I said, we're trying to develop it at left field investors. And I feel like we're on our way to a pretty good product, but this other company, that's their sole. I'm not sure yet. I just had one meeting with them. But eventually, we'll hopefully integrate that into our website if we can work together and and work something out because it's essential, right? To find out are the deals going like you thought they were, but it's really hard to track. So, that is a, I haven't seen a good solution to it yet. Uh, I think the left field investor one is an okay solution. This other one that we're working on is an okay solution. But if we can get to a good or excellent solution, that's the goal. And it's just going to take some time to get there. We love hosting this show. When we started this podcast, we were doing all the editing and post-production ourselves. Now, we are very excited to have this particular company as a partner of the show to do all the post-production for us, because it gives us the freedom to focus on the two things we care about, serving you, our listener, at a higher level, and growing our own multifamily business. If you are like Sayla and me, then you want to add value to others while scaling your business. A podcast is the best way to do both, and we invite you to contact Adam Adams. He can help you launch your podcast, market your show for more listeners, and take all the post-production off your plate so you can focus on your business instead of in it. Listeners of this show can get a free consultation with Adam. To schedule your free consultation, find the link in the show notes. So are you evaluating your portfolio on a monthly basis, weekly basis, quarterly basis? What does that typically look like for you? Well, for me, you know, I just track the distributions when they come in. And then I try to, every quarter, I look at the the total distributions of coming because I'm trying to figure out, you know, how much money am I actually making and how much was I supposed to be making? So that's part of the, the tracker, right? Is you're comparing your actual to what you expected. and that you drill that down to the individual asset level, but I like to look at it in total because it, it it's not consistent, right? Some of the investments you get the same amount every time. Others you don't. Others are you know it's quarterly, so they're not all on the same track. So I think it's important to really check each investment, and make sure that it's performing as it's supposed to, and it's easy to lose track of that once you get to ten plus investments. It's really hard, but you need to at least every quarter, sit down and say, okay, have I gotten the distributions like I thought? Have I been getting the reporting like I thought? And then because it, passive investing is active until you send the wire, right? You have to screen the sponsor. You have to analyze the deal, vet the market. You have to do all that. Then you have to send the wire. And as soon as you send the wire, you're done. Now it's passive. Well, the active part of that passive is to make sure that the syndicators are sending you what they say they were going to, right? Which is cash, hopefully, you know, distributions and also reports. So I also make sure that I'm getting quality reports from my partners, or at least the type of reports that they say they were going to send. And that's also something I try to, I probably check on that every six months just to make sure that I, that something doesn't fall through the cracks. And the best way to figure out if something falls through the cracks is if you didn't get the distribution, right? If you're expecting monthly or you expect it semi-annually and it doesn't happen, that's like a big alarm bell. Go find out what's going on. 
And so, you know, I guess as a passive investor for you, like other than tracking, tracking it wise, um, tracking the investments, making sure that it's performing the way that you're able to perform it. What are some of the other, other things that you look at as a passive investor to make sure that, you know, um, your, your portfolio is performing the way it's looking and, and that you're being diversified and diversified and, you know, mitigating your risks? Yeah. I think what, what I try to do is I try to diversify by asset class, by sponsor, by market. Those are the three main buckets. And then I might also look at some some other things. I might, you know, in the um, multifamily, I might make sure I'm diversified by value add um, properties versus ones that are more cash flow properties. And or I might look at some that have bridge debt versus some that have agency debt to start. Right. So I try to diversify as much as possible. And then, you know, I, because we don't have a perfect way to view all of this yet. I, I just use the um, the tool that we have and I just kind of see, okay, how much do I have allocated to each bucket? And I try to go broad. And, and so what I'm doing right now, because I'm still in the early stages, I am trying to find all the quality sponsors that I can and invest the minimums with as many as I can. Because what I'm trying to do is I'm using my network to evaluate sponsors, but I'm also evaluating sponsors. So I put small amounts with a bunch of them. And then you know a few years from now, after more and more deals have gone full cycle, then I can give my accountant a break with the K-1s and invest in a few fewer deals, but put more money into them because I will have found my best-in-class sponsor. So it's a little bit of everything right now. I'm trying really hard to be diversified, but I'm also investing in more sponsors than I probably will in the future once I've kind of found out who my A-plus performers are. Got it. And so you mentioned like the K-1s too, and that just kind of sparked another question I had. And so as you're getting all of your K-1s and getting them prepared, because tax season is coming up also pretty soon here as well, how do you, what's the most efficient way that you found to like keep that all organized so that you can prepare it and send it off to your to your tax advisor so that they have it all in one place and that they're ready to go as soon as everything is is in their hands? Yeah, I try to be super organized. I'm I'm a mess. But with the with the tax stuff, I try to be super organized. So when something comes in, whether it's a 1099 or a K1, I immediately scan it into a, a folder and I have all my K1s labeled. I have a K1 folder and I just scan all my documents there. And then on the I have a list of all the deals that I'm in in Excel and in my uh, in the in the tool that, that we have at Left Field Investors, I both places. So then I'll put a an, I'll put a check mark or highlighted or something saying, yep, got that K1. So then I'll know that I don't have to worry about that one or chase that one down. Because the thing is, when you're in a bunch of deals, you got to make sure that some of the K-1s don't slip through the cracks, right? So I scan them in and then I check them off that, that, I've, uh, that I've gotten those K-1s. Yeah. And it's fantastic when we talk about community because things like this, you can bounce these ideas off of each other, how they are tracking, how they're being able to look at their performances and portfolios. And so just really trying to maximize your time and efficiency as you're investing in real estate also. Yeah, because people don't think of this kind of stuff. Okay, I'm going to go invest in deals. Well, how do I track them? How do I get the K-1s and make sure that I'm paying my taxes appropriately or uh, deferring my taxes appropriately? There's a lot of things and and even like making sure that the syndicator is going to communicate with in an appropriate way, in a timely fashion. All of that stuff, it sounds like it's just the busy work. It's the, it's the part that you know no one really talks about, but it is essential to your success that you have procedures in place so that you're making sure the sponsors are doing what they say they're going to do, making sure that your taxes are how there's all of that 
making sure of all that is the part that you have to do after the investment. And it's not, that part isn't as passive as people make it out to be for sure. Yeah, but definitely a very important part of it as well. Absolutely. Especially when you're planning for the future investments and how you're going to be getting to your financial independence number or your retirement number or whatever like that. To be able to see it all kind of like lined up in one place and really just easy and accessible, it's really powerful. So you can adequately a plan for how you're going to achieve whatever you're looking to do. Yeah, absolutely. I think all of that is so important because it's all part of the package, right? And if you don't get that right, you're not going to get anything right. And you're going to fall behind or miss a K-1 or or forget a distribution. And so you got to be as organized as possible. And that's why I'm really hopeful that we will find a, a good solution to all of this, which is basically you know, a, a data management database for your investments. Going back to the community topic for a little bit here, pre-COVID or prior to COVID, you mentioned that you were going to start an in-person meetup. But then since COVID happened, everything shut down. So you went virtual. What, in your opinion, I guess, and from what you've talked to and the things that you've talked to and the other people in your community as well, do you see the difference between being an in-person type of meetup versus a virtual type of meetup? And is one superior than the other? Or is it some type of combination of both in today's day and age, at least? Yeah, that's a great question because I would prefer to be in person, right? That would be fabulous. But you know, we have people in our community. We have a, a couple of people in China, Korea, there's some Germany. You know, we we have people in, in different places. We have people in California. I'm in Ohio. We have everyone everywhere. And so if we were to only be in person, we wouldn't have that. So that would be missing. So that's why the virtual is so great because I've met so many great people, but we also need that in person because I, what I, we went to the thing in Los Angeles, right? Yes, and the conference. it was great to meet face to face, right? And, and mm-hmm. actually look someone in the eye and have a conversation with them. And so I really strengthened a lot of relationships that were purely Zoom relationships or phone call relationships were really strengthened that made a huge difference in my business. So I would like to move forward in some kind of hybrid fashion. And the plan for that, at least for left field investors, is we're going to go to a few events every year. We're hoping to have our own small event. And then what I would like to get to is we have our monthly meetings, right? They're on Zoom. I'd like to get to where we're doing hybrid monthly meetings where we do them in a location where there's multiple people there. And then whoever's not in our location, we can zoom to them. And and that's, you know, the technology and everything, I have to figure that out. We haven't really tried that yet, Uh, but that's the, that's the goal I think is to do a hybrid so that eventually we can meet everybody face-to-face because we'll never, that's important. The face-to-face meeting, it doesn't seem like it's that important until you actually do it. And then you're like, oh yeah, there's a difference when I can stand next to someone and, have a drink or share a meal with them. I get to know them a lot better than, you know, spending 20 minutes on a Zoom. It's just not the same. Absolutely. And so for as a passive investor and, you know, your journey so far, what has been the most enjoyable part of your real estate journey? And then also what has been the most challenging for you? I think the most enjoyable, well, aside from seeing the money come in every month, I mean, that, <laughs> that's fantastic because I can go on vacation and the money still comes in. So that's nice. But I talk a lot about this. I've probably broken record, but community, right? Meeting people is, I've learned so much and I've built relationships. And that was really the um, the best part of this. I think the challenge is 
really, it's some of the things we talked about, developing these tools that help people become better investors. Because I'm passionate about exposing more people to this type of investing, because you don't have to do what Wall Street does. That's You turn on the TV, the radio, everyone's advertising, get into the Wall Street stuff. And I get it. There's some value to some of it, I suppose. But my passion is showing people there's, there's other things you can do. You don't have to only, it's not just the 401k, there's other things to do. And the challenge of that is just building all the tools so that it's easier for people to do this, right? It's easier to vet sponsors. It's easier to track your investments. It's easier to file your K-1s. All of that is just the in the weeds stuff that no one thinks about. But if we can solve that, then it'll make it so much easier to get new people into these type of investments. And I think, you know, this is the way to build independence, to build wealth. You know, I don't know very many people or anybody really that's gotten wealthy from the stock market, right? You, but I know plenty of people have gotten wealthy from real estate. Most wealthy people are business owners or real estate owners, in my experience. Yeah, it's a, it's a slow building wealth, wealth creation vehicle. Absolutely. In the stock market, you're really dependent on the market, what's going to go up, what's going to go down. Um, it's a fantastic vehicle for some people, depending on their risk tolerance and what they're looking to achieve. Um, so there's like plenty of different ways that other people are able to invest and to build up their wealth, but it's just really getting the education, knowing what's out there, knowing what options are available to you and seeing which one fits your lifestyle the best. Absolutely. Yeah, I, I couldn't agree more with that. So Jim, I so appreciate you coming on the show here again today and for sharing all of that with us. So if our listeners wanted to learn more about left field investors, about you potentially joining your community, where's the best place that they can go? Uh, they can go to our website, leftfieldinvestors.com. Or if they want to email me or, or talk to me, they can email me at jim at leftfieldinvestors.com. I talk to our community members all the time. So I'm happy to schedule a call. And you can either do that through email or you can go on our website and uh, just schedule a call. There's a button there. You can get on my Calendly and then we'll chat. Awesome. Thank you so much again, Jim. Thank you for having me. It was a pleasure. And thank you for listening to our podcast today, brought to you by Bonavest Capital. We would really appreciate it if you can go to iTunes right now and leave a rating and written review. Also, please don't forget to subscribe so you can always get the latest episodes. You can also connect with us on Facebook, How Did They Do It Real Estate? We'd love to hear your feedback and any topics that you're interested in for future episodes. If you're anything like Zayla and me and believe that real estate investing is a great way to create passive income and build long-term wealth, Check out our free apartment syndication due diligence checklist for passive investors at bonavestcapital.com forward slash checklist. Sale and I created this checklist for ourselves as we evaluated different multifamily syndication opportunities as a passive investor. So we would love to share it with you so you can use it as a resource as well. Download your free copy today at bonavestcapital.com forward slash checklist. Lastly, to learn more about us, you can go to bonavestcapital.com and fill out the contact us page so you can speak to us directly. Nothing on the show should be considered as specific personal advice. Please consult your legal, tax, and real estate professionals for individualized advice.